we're going to talk about God tonight. Doesn't that shock you to come to church and you're going to talk about God? I hope it doesn't. But if you have been with us the last few weeks, we started a study called the Theology or Theology for Life, the study of God and the things of God for life. And it's easy, it's easy to think, well, doctrine, theology, beliefs, that stuff, you know, that's for preachers and theologians and that doesn't matter. And, and it's just the opposite. Whether you believe it or not, you have a theology, you have a belief system, and what, we, what is so important is that we have a proper theology and a proper belief system. One of the things that Southern Baptists have been strong on in the past is having a biblical theology. We haven't tried to be too sophisticated and systematic, and we've tried to be biblical, and that's you. Your theology, if you're a Christian, needs to be biblical, Amen. It doesn't need to be Baptist, it doesn't need to be Methodist, it doesn't need to be Church of Christ, it needs to be biblical. And as Baptists, we, we believe that w- what we're trying to do is biblical. So do other groups too, but that's not a slam on any group or our group, but it's, we want to be biblical, don't we? That's what we're going to be judged for someday. So we started out the first week just talking about basics, and then that we began a week or two, two weeks back talking about God, looking at, at God and who God is. And so we're going to pick that back up tonight. And remember, your theology or your beliefs determine your behavior. They do. Now, I know people, and you know people who believe the right things and absolutely don't do the right things, correct? That's another story. But you, you're not going to be on the right trajectory if you believe the wrong things. So your belief determines your behavior. So that's why these things are so important. God, Orthodox Christian theology... Orthodox means mainstream, says there is only four, only one, good, y'all are sharp tonight. This is a quick review from two weeks ago, you've already forgotten that anyway. Deuteronomy 6, 4, a fundamental great verse, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, that, Jewish people believe that, do Christians believe that? Yes, let's be interactive. Sunday morning, I want you to be quiet, say amen, and smile and laugh. You can talk back this evening, not that some of you wouldn't do that on Sunday morning, and that's fine too. We have one God, but God has revealed himself to us in how many ways? Three ways, three ways. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, however you want to define him, the Holy Spirit Matthew twenty eight nineteen is a great verse. Therefore, go and make disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When you hear us, we're going to baptize, we're planning to baptize three people Sunday morning, one at the early service and two at the late. And, and if you'll listen closely, we say we baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because that's kind of what our boss told us to do. Amen. One God made himself known in three ways. That's what we're going to look at tonight and at least part of next week is the distinction. Uh, We have one God, but three ways. Each has has distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. We call this the what? The Trinity. Without division of nature, essence, or being or being. Let's look at God the Father. Let's answer a question. Is God our heavenly Father or is he our heavenly mother? 
I, I, uh, I do something I hope none of you do. I look at a lot of different preachers and websites and stuff during the week. If you're doing that, you're nerdy. I'm doing that because that's what I do for a living. And I saw a sermon series from someone I knew, I know, in, in another state, and they were talking, and doing like a 10-week sermon series on why God is mother. Well, good luck. I'm not sure where they're going to find the resources for that. Uh, the Scriptures call him Father. Scripture calls him God the Father. Matthew 6, 9, it says, Jesus, this is the Lord's prayer. Pray then like this, our, our who? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Mark fourteen thirty six. listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus, this is right before the cross. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup, but yet not what I will, but you will. Now, if you're, this is really, really neat. Jesus probably was trilingual. He probably spoke Hebrew. He spoke uh, the Koine Greek. That, and Greek that, that we have in the, the New Testament. And Aramaic was probably, not Arabic, Aramaic was the language of the Jewish people. And it's kind of a break off of Hebrew. And Abba literally means daddy. Garden of Gethsemane, the most crucial crushing time of his life, Jesus says, daddy, I need you to bail me out of this. (laughs) But if it's not your will, may your will be done. Isn't that cool? uh, I I think that's so intimate. Do you feel like you have a relationship? And I know for some you might go, well, that would be disrespectful for you or me to call him daddy. But is he not your heavenly daddy? In John 20, 17... John 20, 17, Jesus said, don't cling to me. This is after resurrection. I have not yet ascended to the heavenly Father, to the heavenly Father. Here's my thesis to you. The Bible and Jesus call him Father. Let's stick with it. You agree? Let's stick. The Bible and Jesus call him Father. I'll be honest with you. I don't have authority outside of that. That's what he, he needs to be. Now, I, I'm just going to, uh, let's look at this real quick. God is fatherly in his attitude toward us. God is fatherly toward his a- attitude towards us. We have a, a song we sing at 11 occasionally. We've sang it, I believe we've sang it in our, uh, on, certainly on Wednesday night. Good, good father. How many of you know that song? It's a great song. And, and that God truly is the good, good father. I was talking to a, a man, friend of mine, for many years, and, and a minister in another state, oh, a month or so ago. And listen to what he told me. This may be your problem, too. He said, my father was not a good father. He was abusive. He was religious. Listen, he was religious and abusive. Ugh. And he said, it's hard for me to relate to God as father. No matter how good your father was, he's not, he doesn't scratch the heavenly father, right? I was blessed with a good father. You may not have been. So you don't, you don't paint God in the picture of your, your earthly father. You, God, you, you, you paint God in the picture of what you think of as the most wonderful father should be. Does that make sense? And that's who he is. 
because you had a, a bad mother doesn't mean all mothers are bad. And you had a bad father doesn't mean all fathers are bad. And, and, and because your father, God, is not your fault. If your father wasn't a good father, it wasn't your, not your fault at all. But that doesn't diminish the fact that God is the wonderful father. God, the Bible describes him as father. Here's a, here's a neat thing and, and a scary thing. An important distinction is that God is creator of all. How many of you agree with that? God is creator of all. Most of you. Good. We'll be in Genesis 1-1 next week. <laughs> but he's not the father of all. Uh-oh. Is that right? God becomes your father when you enter to an intimate relationship with his son, right? But I put in here, and I think this is important, he certainly desires to be the father of all. God is the creator of all. And listen, these are theological distinctions that really do matter because I've talked to people, I've talked to people all over the globe who would say, well, he's the father of all of us. Well, he's the creator of all of us. He loves all of us. He becomes your father when you become his child, right? Does that make sense? God the father. And, And again, we're scratching the surface on these things this week and next week. But hopefully these are some things that will help you. God the Son. What's another name for God the Son? Really? Four people? Frank, Bill, Jesus? What would you go with, Jeremy? (laughs) And Jeremy is a seminary graduate. (laughs) Okay, Jesus is God's unique Son. We are children of God if you're a Christian, aren't you? Right? God's got some weird-looking children I'm looking at right now. You're saying, and so are we. But Jesus is the unique Son of God. In John three sixteen, the one we all know, say this out loud. When we for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. John 3, 16, his only son. So Jesus is the unique son of God. Now, here is a a switcher. Jesus is not only the son of God, he is God. True or false? True. Good, good, good answer. Jesus is God. John 1, 1 and 2, I would encourage you, maybe we need to make it a memory verse in the future, not that any of you would memorize it, but lack of faith. This is theologically gigantic. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus. And the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. I'm not going to mention the group by name because I don't want to to be unnecessarily offensive. But a group that is an offshoot of Christianity, they're not true Christianity, they have a translation, their own translation of the Bible. Now, when I say it's not like the New Living Translation or the King James or the ESV, it's like for their group, they have a translation. And I have one in my office. And they translate, Jamie, put John 1-1 back up there. Put that back up there again. They translate, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word, they put the Word was a, a, Little G-O-D. Do you see a huge distinction there? In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus 
was a little g-o-d. That's not what it says at all. And the New Testament is written in Greek, and the Greek New Testament is very clear. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You notice it says here, he was, he was in the beginning with God. Four times these two verses state that Jesus has always been, and there's never been a time that this was not true. Jesus is God, was God, always has been God. And when you die and get to heaven, you know what? He's going to be God. Colossians, not Galatians, I'm thinking of the rain, aren't I? Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is the supreme over all creation. Now, just pause that there, Jamie. Jesus was God's show and tell. You remember in John chapter 14 when Thomas, who was probably Baptist, always doubted Jesus, you remember that? He's not alive, I have to stick my finger in his side. Before, and then the next week, Jesus saying, come here, big boy. <laughs> Thomas became a believer. Je- Jesus told him in John 14, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Is that not awesome? We know what God is like perfectly, not only from his word, but from his son. In Colossians 1.19, it says, for God, read that out loud with me, for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Now, how many of you think that's awesome? I mean, that is, man, that is overwhelmingly neat. How many of you think it's important for you to know that? How many of you understand there's a lot of groups out there that say they're Christians that don't believe that? How many of you understand that in certain parts of the world you would be strung upside down for believing that? Do you realize you could die in parts of the world for that? Mike Benefield, is that correct? You could die. When Cindy and I were in Israel, Cindy, do you remember this? We were, we were near where Jesus lived, up, up in Galilee, and there was a sign that somebody had put up and said, Christians, you better stop saying that Jesus is God. There is only one God, and it's Allah. It's not Jesus, and you better stop saying that. And I went over there, and I, I was mad at Cindy that day, and I went to a group of men who looked like they were from that area, and I go, that woman is saying Jesus is God. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Christ is his official title, Jesus Christ. Christ is the Greek. Messiah is the Hebrew. And Christ and Messiah mean the anointed one of God. The anointed one of God. Luke 2.11 is a verse we looked at at Christmas in such a wonderful verse. For unto you is born this day in Bethlehem, the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Wow. Savior is a, descriptive, is a description of what he came to do. A Savior literally is a deliverer. It's what it means. It means a deliverer. Jesus came to save us from what? Our sins. He came to save us for life eternal. The, the Jewish people of Jesus' day thought Jesus, the Messiah, was going to save them from the Romans, right? And from the government, right? 
and, and they were disappointed. Some people think, and we're going to talk about, I'm going to preach on Judas in, uh, in early, late March or early April, that Judas may have been trying to push Jesus forward to step up and get, get us free from Rome. But Jesus didn't come to deliver you and me from earth, just earthly troubles and trials. He came to save us from our sins. Your greatest problem, my greatest problem, we're going to, we, we talked about anger the last two weeks. We're going to talk about the mouth and the tongue the next two weeks. Our greatest problem is sin, isn't it? It's not CNN or Fox News. It's sin is our greatest problem. That's what Jesus came to save us from. Jesus is the Hebrew for Joshua. How many of you knew that? I've said that like 800 times in 16 years, so I'm glad five of you have got that. It means Jehovah is salvation. Jesus is the Hebrew for Joshua, and it means Jehovah is salvation. Jesus Christ, the Lord. Lord in the pure Christian sense means God in the flesh. Okay, I've talked to you about this on several, several occasions. I'm going to tell you again if you're taking notes, it, because it's so important. Jesus grew up, and probably Jesus' Bible was called the Septuagint. The Septuagint is simply the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. How many of you have read that in your quiet time lately? None of you have. Judy, I saw your hand. See, I... Randy, I want you to bring the Septuagint up here Sunday so we can preach out of it. We'll have to find someone who can read it. <laughs> well, good. The Septuagint was the, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. My Jesus day had been translated to Greek. That's called the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. It's probably what Jesus read out of. And, and if you remember me sharing with you, and this is so significant, the word kurios, or some scholars pronounce it kurios, is the Greek word for Lord. And when that was used in the Septuagint, it was always in context of God the Father being Lord, being kurios, kurios. So when a, an Old Testament Jewish person read the Septuagint and they saw that, kurios was God, right? And now Jesus Christ in the Greek New Testament, and the writers are saying Jesus Christ is kurios, kurios. He is Lord. He is God. How many of you think that is significant? That's everything. Your understanding of Jesus being Lord, you're saying Jesus not is God. And he's going to be my Lord, my boss, and my, my Savior. That's gigantic, isn't it? That'll get your head chopped off in certain places too. Jesus Christ is Lord. The Son of Man, the Bible of the New Testament, you hear Jesus refer to himself as the Son of Man. That, what does that stress? His humanity. humanity. Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man, Jesus is talking about himself, came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of God stresses What? His, his deity, the Son of God, his deity. In Matthew 26, verse 63 and 64, Jesus remained silent. This is, he'd been arrested. And the high priest said to him, 
I adjure you by the living God. You tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the, the clouds of heaven. In those two verses, Jesus acknowledges I'm the Son of Man and I'm the Son of God, doesn't he? That he is the Messiah. The Son of God is his deity. Jesus came to earth through a literal virgin birth. Is that important? Uh, kind of, sort of. In Matthew one twenty three, behold the virgin... And that word literally means someone who has not had sex shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel is a descriptive title. Jesus, as you read the New Testament, it wasn't it? You never see like where Peter said, Hey, Emmanuel, pass the salt uh, when they were eating or anything. They didn't call him that, but that was a descriptive uh, title of of who, who he is and who he was. Jesus lived a pretty good life. Please don't write that. Jesus lived a perfect or sinless life. Sinless life. Perfect would do. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for your sin and my sin so that we could be made right with God through, through Christ. Jesus lived a sinless life, 100% man, 100% God, sinless. He died literally on the cross. His death was to pay for my sins. In my eyes, yours and mine. 1 John 2, 2 is a great verse. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins Atone literally means it, it appeases God. It, it pays the price for our sins. But not only our sins, but the sins of the, all the world. Wow. Jesus' death was, was substitutionary. He died in your place. Do you realize that the one who should have died for your sins is who? Do you realize if you die without Christ, you will pay the price for your sins for eternity, Right? But if you come to Christ, you can accept what he's already done for you. Jesus paid the price for your sins. Jesus bodily arose from the grave. Jesus bodily arose from the grave. Pause for a second. How many of you think that's significant? <laughs> I was watching these two guys. One of them was an atheist, and they were really good-natured. The other one was a, a, a scholar, New Testament scholar. And, and the, the atheist guy said, you know, man, I think Christianity is it's, it's nice, and it does good things, but it's not really that important that Jesus literally arose from the grave. And the Christian guy just laughed. He goes, Christianity is a complete farce if he didn't come back to life. Read 1 Corinthians 15 when you get home. Paul says if Jesus didn't come back alive, you're spinning your wheels at this church tonight. And you're going to die without any hope. But, but 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, pivotal verses. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried. Back up, please. I, 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 I'm getting old. That he was buried. Now, hold on. You bury dead people, correct? Please don't bury me while I'm alive. 
you bury dead people. And he was raised on the third day. Now, this isn't in your notes, but it might be worth writing down. The, the, the Greek word raised literally means a bodily resurrection. Jesus died physically. He was dead. And Jesus physically got up and walked out of that tomb. Everything we believe is based on that. Right? Or we're just a good civic club here. Let's summarize this real quick. Jesus is the unique Son of God. He is God. He came to earth and lived as 100% man and 100% God. We'll never be able to grasp that this side of heaven, but that's okay. He is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the unique Lord and Savior over all. The unique Lord and Savior over all. He is the one and only way to God, the Father, and to heaven. He is the one and only way to God, the Father, and to heaven. John 14, 6 is a verse you do need to know. It says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Always remember if someone asks you, do you believe Jesus is the only way to God to heaven? You say yes, and they're going to get mad at you probably. And what you say is you just become a coward, and you say, I didn't say that. Jesus did, right? By the way, you didn't say it. <laughs> he did. Philippians 2 5 through 11 are the great Jesus verses. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Boy, Christian, listen to that. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He didn't hold on to his rights and privileges in heaven. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God, read these last two verses with me. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to look at verse 4 and 5 again if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I would ask you tonight, you know, well, this is theology, you know, okay. But, but it all boils down to all these things ultimately matter to shape your life. Christian, are we walking like Jesus walked? Is our heart and attitude like his? Maybe you're here tonight or you're watching online and, and you don't know if you're a Christian. Philippians 2, 10 and 11, look what it says. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, the bottom line is, is that you are going 
and I'm going to bow my knee to Jesus Christ and confess him as Lord, willingly here on this earth or someday before we're sent to hell for eternity. It's a, it's a scary and a, and a neat thing to think before he ascended into his eternal state, Adolf Hitler bowed to the Jewish Jesus and said, you are Lord. But it's too late for salvation at that point. But every knee and every tongue will. My challenge to you tonight, we're going to have a time of invitation. Maybe you want to come pray at the altar, pray with a minister. Christian, maybe we, you need an attitude or heart adjustment. Maybe you need to come tonight for the first time and bow your life to Christ. Let's stand, and as Jesus leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you.